Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls. Uh, 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Texts and WhatsApps are also welcomed and I can see already coming in. Thank you for those. 086 to 103 103. And I'm assuming many people will be disappointed to have heard the guard, the commissioner yesterday ruling out a blanket approval for overtime and obviously overtime of Gardaí would get more boots uh, and uh, people on the beat in Cork City which is what a lot of people have been calling for and looking for and so many people say well, there's not enough guard the presence on the city streets and indeed it's not just in the city we hear it from the towns and villages right across the county of Cork people saying we need more guardi out on the beat but of course Drew Harris uh, was in Cork yesterday and he dismissed the suggestion of giving blanket overtime a ban. He was in Cork City he was at the uh, Cork City Joint Policing uh, Committee and he heard at that meeting that the City Guard Division actually has 23 less Guard members than it did three years ago. And the figures that were given out yesterday was in 2016, there was 638 Guardi based in the city. Now, that went to uh, a figure and I'm assuming it was probably the highest figure ever for the city. It went to 730 Gardaí based in the city. That was in 2021. But that now is down at just over 700, 707. And independent city councillor Thomas Maloney, he was the one who called on the commissioner to give the approval for a, a blanket approval for overtime so that there would be whatever overtime was needed the money would be there uh, for it uh, and he said put that in place until at least you know that we're going to get the arrival of new recruits but Drew, Drew Harris insisted then this isn't about money what is it about? It's about getting more people into the force. And Owen English is writing about it in the, on the front page of the Examiner uh, today, you know, and writing about the fact that we have this drop in the, the city's Garda figures. And while we're discussing those figures, that just comes days after we had a fatal stabbing in the city centre, the one we spoke about that happened on the, the Grand Parade, the busy plaza of the Grand, Grand Parade, late evening uh, sunshine. Um, you know, lots of people out and about in the city and people were then starting to talk about being afraid to go out in, in the city. We have the current Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City, Deirdre Ford, has not just this week, has in previous weeks uh, said there are parts of the city that she feels are simply no-go areas. Areas and a lot of people feel there are no-go areas. 
and they'll only be come back into being areas where people will feel safe if there is a visible guard the present. But Drew Harris yesterday saying, sorry, I can't agree to a blanket overtime uh, ban. And he said, which what happens with that is it becomes a point where it becomes a null game. Uh, what he meant by that was when staff start to get tired and then they're not productive in the workforce. He insisted that the organisation is committed to recruitment and is committed to expanding. And he said the constraint isn't about money. The money is there to pay for the Gardaí. The constraint is the recruitment process and getting people into Angard the Shia Kona. I mean, what, what do we do? How do we encourage uh, people to join on Garda Shikona. And, you know, we've been talking about the Leaving Cert is on at the moment. And I wonder how many parents uh, who've got children doing their Leaving Cert, would you encourage your sons and daughters uh, to sign up? I, I, you know, I look at sometimes at the abuse that members of Garda Shikona get. We're seeing a lot of that on social media. And you look at some, particularly some of the younger Garda, and you think, goodness me, was that what they signed up for? And your heart would go out to them. And I certainly, as a mother, would be looking at some of these young Garda and thinking, if that was my son or that was my uh, daughter, how would I feel if I saw them being verbally abused? You know, it, it usually happens that in some of these protests, particularly some of the immigrant protests, can turn really, really nasty and really, really nasty uh, towards the Gardaí. Now, this might help uh, pe- encourage people to sign up to the Gardaí. The news that the Gardaí now are to get the green light to begin buying body cams. And this is after the Fine Gael party rolled back. Fine Gael were trying to push to bring in facial recognition technology along with the uh, body cams. Uh, they've wanted to bring in facial recognition through amendments to new laws that, that would allow the Gardaí to wear the body cams but also at the same time these body cams which have the ability for facial uh, recognition. But now what's happened is the con- and that has been that particular type of technology has been controversial. The, um, the controversial technology now will be brought in through a separate law which senior ministers uh, will also give Justice Minister Helen McEntee the green light now to draft and guard the Chiacona. So that means that they will now, the Gardaí will be able to immediately start buying body cams and by the Gardaí having body cams, it will improve the safety of the frontline Gardaí. But obviously it also helps to assist in the investigation of a crime. It was the Green Party who were firmly against the facial recognition technology, even though the Fine Gael Party had insisted it would only be used to help solve serious uh, crimes. They were saying, you know, crimes that include anything carrying the maximum sentence of life imprisonment, anything like such as homicide, rape, aggravated sexual assault, child sexual abuse and child abduction. And the law on facial recognition um, technology will instead now be a standalone piece of legislation which the Cabinet Ministers will agree to draft. Now, they'll do it on, they say, a priority basis. Facial recognition then will only be used retrospectively to search for photographs. And, you know, that's something that they do already. They manually look at images. Wouldn't it be fantastic? You know, most police forces around the world have this facial recognition technology that they can literally just press, press a button and the computer will do the work for them. Instead, our Gardaí have to go manually through uh, images. The Green Party wanted the law to be scrutinised 
by the Oireachtas Justice uh, Committee, which obviously it will now. Live facial recognition will not be allowed and mass surveillance and profiling will also uh, be banned. Helen McEntee, the Justice uh, Minister, first proposed the use of facial recognition technology last year and that was following discussions with the Garda Commissioner who said it was a requirement to ensure the Garda had the tools they need to tackle and prevent crime. So I think the Gardaí themselves will be disappointed that they won't get the facial recognition technology. Well, they certainly won't get it initially, but at least now it looks like they're going to get the go-ahead to have the body uh, cams because they're being filmed all the time uh, in sort of very aggressive uh, situations. Won't it be good to see the other side of what was the lead-up to a particular situation that now will all be available uh, once body cams are worn by Gardaí? And hopefully it might... You know, the fact that it's been done and will be done to protect members of and Garda Siakon and pr- pr- really pr- help improve the safety of our frontline uh, Garda. Maybe, ju- maybe, just maybe, it will encourage more people to consider becoming a member of Garda Siakon to consider it as a career move. But what, in the meantime, what can be done to encourage people? And if you had a son or daughter, would you encourage them to join Angarda Siakon? Some of your WhatsApps and texts coming into 0862 Michael says, Patricia, let's be very clear. Michael D. Higgins has not gone outside his role in our constitution. We are governed by our constitution, not by precedent, as those looking for a headline try and uh, insist. Yeah, and um, I actually heard a constitutional lawyer because lots of people saying, oh, Michael D. Higgins has overstepped the mark. He hasn't. Nothing in the Constitution to stop the President uh, saying something. It would be different if he said something to, at the Houses of the Oireachtas, but like that, in, a, in almost in a, in a capacity as a citizen, even though he is the President, he is entitled uh, to his opinion. Anyway, Michael says, what is far more important than precedent is the winding down of Barry Row oil and gas field, which will leave this country at the mercy of the oil and gas Sharks. The people of this country should be up in arms over such a move and Eamon Ryan should be overruled immediately, if not sooner, on the issue. Our Leah Varadkar should call an immediate general election. Michael Fields get rid of the Greens before it's too late, if it's not already. We've closed the sugar factory. Guess what? We're now importing sugar. We've stopped turf cutting. Guess what? We're now importing all of our turf products. We're stopping our fishermen from fishing. We're importing fish. We're talking about killing off our cows. We'll be importing all our beef from Brazil to feed us. Insanity at the highest level. Please, can somebody call a halt before we have TDs who are not capable of uh, doing so? We are going to be discussing the Barry Row oil and uh, gas field on the programme this morning. Actually, I'm, I am surprised that it's not getting as much attention and as much focus. There doesn't seem to be much media coverage even of uh, this story, but we certainly are going to be discussing it this morning on the programme. And I think, Michael, a lot of people will agree with you. We make these uh, decisions like the examples you're citing. Sugar and turf are two of the obvious ones. We eventually will have no fishermen left the way we are, we are decommissioning uh, fi- uh, fishing uh, vessels. Uh, and then suddenly to have to import everything, it makes absolutely no sense at all. And the fact that we have this oil and gas just off our shores and we are importing. We're one of, I discovered this yesterday, we're one of the largest importers of oil of all of the European countries. And here we have some, you know, at our back door and we're not using it. 
it makes no sense to me either. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And on something completely different, hi Patricia, is it only in my garden or has anybody else noticed the abundance of cinnabar moths? What are cinnabar moths? They're the little white and white, they're the little red and black butterflies. This texter said, I let my garden go wild for the spring this year and the place is alive with them. And the listener says, I quite like them. Yeah, it's wonderful to see butterflies and, and wildlife like that in, in your garden. It really is terrific. I, I would think it's more to do with the fact that you've left your garden uh, go wild. I, I assume that that's the uh, reason because those cinnabar moths are quite common in uh, Ireland. They mainly occur in the burren where they're often uh, found in huge abundance in the burren and that would be because the burren is so wild. So I'm assuming it's probably got to do with letting your garden go wild and well done for letting your garden go wild for the spring. Uh, Peter Dowdle will certainly be very proud of you and actually I was in Clonmel at the weekend and Tipperary County Council last year all on the side of the roads leading in and out of the town they've left all those areas go wild and I'm assuming they planted you know seeds wild flower seeds Uh, and last year oh my god they were just awash with colour and you can already see the, the wildflowers starting to bloom again and I think it, it is a terrific idea and you know they've got it on all the roundabouts and they've got signs saying you know for pollination for pollinators and it's a terrific idea and it's something simple I think that all of the councils uh, can do and we can all do our bit if you can even let just a part of your garden uh, go wild so uh, well done and enjoy those little butterflies. Now after what was described as an emotive debate Cork County councillors have very reluctantly agreed to sign off on new speed limit bylaws proposed on main roads by Transport Infrastructure Ireland. To tell us more, I'm joined by Independent West Cork uh, Councillor Declan uh, Hurley. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you're chair of the Council's Roads and Transport uh, Committee. What were the councillor's main objections to the TII's new bylaws? A lot of it, Patricia, just is the lack of interaction we actually have with TII as elected members. Um, as you and your listeners may know, the um, speed limit review comes around every five years. And as part of that review, then the, lo- the elected members, the council engineers, the guardy, and the general public can make suggestions or submissions as to what changes they would like to see in the speed limits for the next five years. And a lot of the time we kind of get what we ask for within reason. But when it comes and that would be from the point of view of roads that are maybe under the jurisdiction of Cork County Council and the council engineers, the problem that that has arisen at the previous council meeting and in the past is that national routes, which are under the jurisdiction of TII, they solely have the discretion to set and and agree speed limits um, on, on those particular roads. And would some of the councillors have been giving examples right across the county where it's the wrong, where they feel it's the wrong speed limit? Like local people, I suppose, local people, local councillors, local engineers know where the pinch points are in any particular road, be it a, um, a, a junction in particular. And um, I think the last day, the example that were given was one down in Rafine um, on the Ring of Skiddy Road. Again, a dangerous junction where there has been numerous uh, accidents and uh, local members there through their municipal district, tried to get um, the speed limit at that particular junction reduced and TII refused to do that. 
similar example again in West Cork in the in Bantry out the Dingarf Road. Um, TI wanted to increase um, or to extend uh, a 60 or an 80 into a 60 and a 60 into a 50. And you just on one stretch of road, you could have maybe four or five different speed limits. Uh, and again, we feel that the changes we were requesting were a safety measure for the safety of, of users of the road, be it motorists, pedestrians, cyclists. But unfortunately, TII failed to see that uh, see from our perspective. God, that's frustrating because you make the recommendations to TII. You have the local knowledge. You're listening to local people. Many of the councillors perhaps living in the area drive the particular roads so they know them only too well. So you make these recommendations and then do TII say why they disagree with you? They just make their own rationale. A lot of it is just kind of traffic flow. They want to keep traffic flowing at a, st- at a steady pace. And therefore, if you have um, a long stretch of road with a reduced speed limit, uh, that's going to possibly hold up traffic. But a lot of the time, we don't get the, the, the real rationale, as I say. And, that, and that's why members are frustrated. If we could sit down with representatives of TII through this review process and tease out um, our approach to it and their approach and come to a mutual understanding. Look, we don't have that. Our engagement is through our local area engineers back to TII. So there is no face to face discussion. That's where the frustration comes in. We don't know a lot of the time what the rationale is, why TII won't accept our recommendation uh, for a safer road uh, around uh, Cork County. Would we have any way of knowing if any of the representatives from TII had ever been down in the area and driven on those particular roads? I, I did ask that particular question uh, when we came to the end of our review, when we when we had this issue, particularly at our West Cork uh, meetings, and our engineers did say, look, that they would have been down, they would have uh, a knowledge of the road. But at the end of the day, it's local people driving those roads on a regular basis. We, we're not requesting a change in, in a speed limit just for the sake of it. We're mm. doing it because there's a safety issue, there's a concern there, there's a risk there. And when uh, a national body like TI ignore that, they're, they're undermining our position uh, in relation to representing the public out there who have a concern about a particular junction or a particular road. And it's most frustrating. And I think now that we are at the end of this review, it's going to be five years again before we can approach this. But at, uh, our, at our full council meeting, we, ha- we have requested that this review is looked at again and that may perhaps maybe have the review in a shorter period of time, maybe every two years or three years, because five years is a very long time. Yeah, and I'm assuming that yeah, that adds to your frustration that, you know, once you sign off on something that you can't look at it again for five years. And there, there can be a lot of extra traffic on the road in a five year period. They can, and as well, there can be a lot of development um, in t- in towns and villages, and a lot of the time, we perhaps maybe need to extend a speed limit to uh, incorporate a new development um, or a new housing estate. And again, you are looking at a five-year waiting span, and and that does add extra frustration. And I, I've been inundated in, in the last number of days and weeks again since this has kind of got, gone public, with local with residents or with general public wanting to have changes made to their particular road and I'm saying sorry we can't the review is passed we have to wait another five years and the, the, the public can't understand why it takes five years or why it should take five years to have um, a speed limit reviewed it just doesn't make sense. Did you consider rejecting the TII's proposal or is that outside of your remit? Well as part of the process, if we make a suggestion to TII to reduce or extend the speed limit, what comes back to us, basically, we don't have any further say in that we either have to accept or reject 
TII's proposal. So at Monday's full council meeting, the members were very um, reluctant to pass the, um, the, the bylaws because, again, there was safety concerns in there with particular areas. And but the, the argument that was put to us by the executive was that there was also good safety measures as part of, the, of these um, new bylaws that we couldn't um, ignore. So therefore, we were in a, in a very uh, between a rock and a hard place yeah. really to accept this report, because if we didn't, there would be safety issues that were going to be implemented, just not implemented for another five years. You'd be throwing the baby out with the bathwater almost. Exactly. So you've reluctantly, as you said, uh, signed off on it. But now you, you've written to TII asking that that five year revision be reduced. We have, and we're hoping that that's going to be uh, met with some acceptance, uh, at least to sit down and discuss with TII how we can, uh, I think, better improve uh, this this process and, again, get better engagement and more engagement from the general public because, unfortunately, a lot of the time, the general public um, don't know this review is going on because, again, there's so much time between each review. So we need to have more engagement from the general public, but certainly with elected members who want to make uh, valid changes and important changes and be part of that process. So we're hoping that that will be um, agreed and that we can start a process um, sooner rather than waiting another five years. Okay. okay, we wish you luck with that. Listen, Declan, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is West Cork uh, Independent Councillor Declan uh, Hurley. Now, yesterday we had a number of listeners very annoyed and upset to hear that Barry Rowe Offshore Energy has announced its intention to wind down the business and it's expected to appoint a liquidator next month. Independent West Cork Joel Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me with his views uh, on this. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. No, the Barry Row Company really had no choice here. Uh, they can't raise the capital that they need to keep going. And that, of course, was following Eamon Ryan's refusal, wasn't it, uh, for this key permit to progress the site. This is what it all goes back to. Unfortunately, this has been lying on Minister Ryan's desk uh, for the last number of years and he squeezed the living life out of the company uh, to make sure, and in my personal view and in the view of the pub, pub, most of the public out there, in, 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 to make sure this company would end up uh, in the situation that they find themselves uh, with wind, having to wind down operations. In May, he refused them the licence to, to, to we'll say, move on to the next stage. At that time, the company had 40 million held in deposits, basically to go ahead uh, if everything went right. Unfortunately, it didn't, and we find ourselves in the situation. They find themselves in the situation that they're in now, and it's, it's a terrible, it's a, it's a disaster because it, it means that Ireland uh, won't be independent in its in its energy and can't be independent in its energy. It's a hundred percent almost reliant from uh, energy sources from abroad, and we continue to need these energy sources. And there was a massive opportunity here, Patricia, uh, to to I'd say further develop this field because the Barry Roll field is is Europe's largest untapped resource. This is what uh, the 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 experts have said out there. The independent experts with an estimated three hundred million barrels of oil out there. We're in a situation in this country the same as every other country in the world. We need oil. We're, we're, we're importing it. We're totally dependent on our bended knees to, to England and to other uh, countries to give us that oil. We had an opportunity to be independent here. We've absolutely blown it. And I think it's political, nothing other than political corruption, uh, where there's one minister putting his personal interest ahead of the, the interests of the nation. And it's a sad situation we find ourselves in today. Well, look, we know we have to move from uh, fossil fossil fuels. I think everybody accepts that. But as a country at the moment, uh, here in 2023, uh, we get 45% of our energy from oil. All of that is imported. This oil 
could help us while we work towards renewable energy. And that's what I've been saying in the, in, inside Nadal. We had a motion in relation to this barrier oil field last, last year, the independent, rural independent group. Uh, we wanted to progress this, and we felt that this taxes, because Ireland could have had complete control. We've had loads of oil off our country at different times in our lives. We handed it away. We ran over to other parts of the world and gave, uh, gave uh, the riches to, to the others. But this was actually an Irish set up, and, and, and Ireland could have taxed the, the, the company, the Barry Roche offshore energy company, to the point that it paid for um, 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 offshore wind energy and, and other uh, other areas that we will fall short on, and are falling short on as it is. And I've heard experts telling us that we're nowhere near the, the you know, the offshore energies that we've been told for another at least, I'd say maybe 10, 15 years. So, and, and in that much time, we will de- desperately be needing uh, oil and gas uh, continuously. Uh, to survive, basically, and unfortunately, we'll be now continuously dependent on other countries to give us that. So this is the policy of of, of this government, and unfortunately, it's it's a Green Minister, Eamon Ryan, uh, has made this decision, uh, but he's aided and better by the Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael government, who have supported him in this issue, and, and I think they've made a terrible, terrible mistake. And as I said, there's nothing short of political corruption, and they should have put the, the national interest uh, before uh, their own, their own interests and, and, and let this country down the way they have. Um, Ireland is, uh, we are still one of the most oil dependent countries uh, in Europe. So doesn't it almost seem hypocritical that we're oil dependent or we'll just import the oil instead? We, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's the situation we find ourselves in and we've had enough of our own uh, oil off our own shores uh, up to now but we, as I said, as, as a nation we tended to uh, hand that over to other uh, countries to look after. But this is an opportunity to have our own control. And as I said, the right tax is put in place to make sure it pays for uh, the changes that need to be made. And there is changes that need to be made. And I support any of those changes that need to be made, whether it is offshore or, or, or on, on land uh, for wind energy or others. But we're not there. And we're nowhere near there. And we're going to be on our begging knees to, to, to bring in our, all our energy uh, resources from from abroad over the next 10, 15 years when we could have had it in our own back door. The minister sat on this. He made sure he frustrated the company. He made sure he, well, he, obviously it looks like he's liquidated the country, uh, the company. So he, you know, he had a full intent to make sure to frustrate this company to bring it to his knees. Though it, there's a very, very strong possibility because this has happened in a couple of more countries that that company will bring the state, uh, will sue the state. But that's something outside of my uh, controlled. My control was to make sure that we were energy. That was what I wanted for this country, that we're energy independent and that we created massive jobs in Cork County. Uh, and, and they would have created hundreds and hundreds of jobs and the spin-off of local towns and villages would have been um, incredible for the, for the number of years that this was needed. So okay. sadly, someone someone like, is pointing out, and this came up yesterday as well, that um, Barry Row has been looking for oil for years and they have yet to find it. Yes, we know the oil is out there, but we are currently importing oil and we'll still be importing the same amount of oil after Barry Row closes uh, because they're not producing any oil. Were they close? Are they anyway close? To, or were they anywhere close to producing oil? Well, the, 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 the company were, in the last number of years, were being frustrated by the government that they wouldn't give them the licence to, to go in there and check in to see. The, uh, independent estimates were, were stating that there could be 300 million barrels of oil uh, in Barry Row. So that, you know, they, they wouldn't have been lurking in and around there and, and concentrating that area because it probably isn't very far away from the Kinsale gas field. 
that we had for a number of years, and that's completely decommissioned now, and I, you know, uh, unusable, which I think was another mistake that we should at least have kept that. Um, uh, even if it was going dry, that they should have kept it open to the point that it was was there for other resources going forward. But anyway, we have a, an awful problem in this country that we can, anything that we can do ourselves nationally, we're refusing to allow to do so. But we're quite happy to do the very same thing uh, by importing it in the back door, as if that doesn't matter. Or, you know, you can well imagine, you know, what it's going to cost to bring fuel in from all over the world in Ireland when we could have had it in our own back door. Well, people are constantly pointing to the example of uh, briguettes. Uh, We've stopped making briguettes in this country and we're importing, I believe, from Poland. We are, and and, and, uh, Pete, uh, Moss, and and there's so much other stuff that's going on. And, and, Patricia, don't don't forget, it's going to be cattle soon. It's going to be our meat. That's going to be on the coast. That's the next thing. Uh, this government are, are adamant telling us that this isn't going to be the case. No, they're accepting that it's going to be the case. There's going to be the coming of over 200,000 cattle. So we are going to have a shortage of meat in this country. So you know where you're going to be getting it. It's from Brazil, where every environmental uh, regulation is broken. Uh, and they can bring our, their meat in here in the back door and sell it on our st- shops. And that's going to be the future there. But that's not the argument I'm, I'm, I'm having today. Today, our government has t- uh, basically, Eamon Ryan, Peter Bonham, and the government have thrown this huge opportunity for Cork County and for Ireland under the Green Bus. Do and you, believe, do you believe the Barry Row oil field could still, can still be staved? I, I still t- I, I think it can. But, uh, like, if your minister has, has shot a blind eye and has, has uh, not acted, you know, in a reasonable time and, and, and not acted in a fair manner uh, over the last number of years, he's left Ireland wide open wide open for 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 to be for uh, to be sued number one and number two is that just wide open that we're now totally continuously dependent on another country for our food so that's two huge issues and i sincerely i have no confidence in this minister absolutely no confidence and i plead with his, his, his parties and government to, to sit up now and to make changes here and to bring Barry Roll uh, offshore energy back into the play and make them if they get up and running make them pay for the changes that is needed in this country uh, that Eamon Ryan wants. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a, a win-win here if, if you just uh, sit back and understand that and not just think, well, I'll shut this down so it won't happen in Ireland but we'll keep bringing it in the back door but we won't make it uh, out and, and it is also a lost opportunity to try to improve our Ireland's energy security. That's that's the main point, uh, I think, of the, the argument that I always felt that we should never be uh, totally dependent on, on bringing in uh, our, our energy from from another country. We need to be, and we can be. There's there's a whole area of, of very clean uh, natural gas and, and, and different areas that have been presented to the Ministry and continues to refuse, but we continue to import. So it's not that we, we can do without it. It's great if we could, and it's great if we, his dream is to come true, but it's not here. It's nowhere near here. And tomorrow morning, and I, you know, TDs above inside the door, screaming and roaring that we shouldn't be mentioning both uh, gas and oil fields, and they drive. Uh, I, I said to one uh, TD, who would probably remain nameless, I said, you're driving a diesel guzzling van outside the door. So what are you talking about? You didn't come to the door this morning uh, with some other kind of energy. You didn't. You came in a diesel van. So, I mean, it's it's like talking two sides over the same, same mode. And unfortunately, it's the same for Green TD is everybody else. We do need, and we don't have the public transport, obviously, and we can, we've talked about that on numerous occasions. Um, for us to be uh, non-reliant on public transport, unfortunately, Patricia, we've had a massive, massive opportunity of, of thousands of jobs in Cork County off uh, with the Barry Row um, 
Barry Row offshore energy company, uh, what they intended to do with Barry Row Field. And this has been refused by Minister Ryan. And I have no confidence, I have no problem putting voter, putting forward a vote of no confidence on a minister who has no solution, who has no solution. Only import is their solution in this country. OK, listen, we leave it there, uh, Michael. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us uh, on the programme. That is uh, West Cork Independent uh, Dáil Deputy Michael uh, Collins. You were talking about more Gardaí and more Gardaí be needed on the city streets. And this was to do with Drew Harris was in Cork uh, yesterday. He was addressing the Cork City Joint Policing uh, Committee. Well, Robert said it isn't just the city. We need more Gardaí in rural areas as well. And, Gar- and Robert said he read with interest a piece in yesterday's paper about the increase in the theft of valuable agricultural equipment and this is a piece uh, that Ralph Regal was writing about uh, yesterday and it seems it's been spurred on by an explosion in the multi-million euro black market and this is in the wake of Russians the Russians invasion on Ukraine who would have thought the war in Ukraine would have been affecting agricultural equipment in this country Gardaí are fearing that Irish gangs are operating a steel to order system for machinery that's now very valuable in Russia because they can't purchase new items because of the sanctions that's been imposed by the West on Russia. The restrictions that have been put in place since their invasion has actually starved many of the Russian farmers of critical technology and uh, equipment, much of which cannot be supplied by their allies in China and in Iran. And that has led to a spate of GPS thefts. And they've been reported on farms here in Cork, in Carlo, Kildare, Tipperary, Limerick, Wexford, Wicklow and uh, Louth. Irish farmers have also reported the increased theft of things like quad bags, ATVs, generators, even livestock has gone missing uh, over the last 12 months, even though I don't know if there's any indication that the livestock has been shipped to uh, Russia, but who knows. The Gardaí now are fearing it is not just agri-machinery being targeted for the Russian uh, market. They also have seen a spate of uh, theft of luxury cars. In one case, 150 thousand euro SUV was stolen from an Irish airport car park and seemingly it was stolen just minutes after the owner left. The vehicle is believed to have been smuggled out of Ireland to the UK, done very quickly and then with the most likely uh, probability was it then got shipped on to uh, Russia. Cork farmers have had almost €120,000 worth of livestock and equipment stolen. And that's just between last November and February of this uh, year. Now, according to Ralph in yesterday's Irish Independent, a man, Gardaí arrested a man in his 20s last week. And this was in connection with a spate of farm machinery thefts that was across the southwest last year and again this year. Now, he has been released without charge and the file obviously is going to the DPP. Detectives are investigating whether the thefts now are part of this wider Irish criminal operation and they are doing it to exploit the Russian black market. There's an opening there. They've seen the opening. They're taking the equipment and they're shipping it to Russia. Agri-machinery and equipment thefts across Ireland amounted to around 1.8, or it it comes to about 1.8 million every single year. But there are now real fears that Ireland could witness a significant hike, hike 
in the value of these thefts in the year, given the demand for this type of equipment in Russia. So obviously the Gardaí urging farmers to take all of the security uh, precautions around their holdings and their machinery storage uh, areas. Farmers and contractors have been warned not to leave valuable GPS equipment attached to tractors are to harvesters overnight. Actually, in one case here in North Cork, a contractor had six of these systems stolen from a farm yard just in one evening and that ended up uh, costing that contractor €20,000. It is also believed that contractors are being monitored as they work. Sophisticated gangs are using things like drones to conduct surveillance on uh, some farms in advance of theft. So farmers really need to take whatever security precautions you have at the moment, double them, take a look at what you have in place. Uh, it might be worth, uh, no, well, it may be a bit of an expensive outlay, but in the long run, it might be worth installing uh, alarms, for example, and CCTVs. Uh, but little did we think that a war going on in Russia could now end up with some of our own farmers being targeted and uh, them losing and contractors losing, losing valuable agricultural equipment. Do we need more Gardaí in the rural area? Robert is saying yes. By the way, we did get a response from uh, Cork County Council to a request we put in uh, on behalf of Tom from Cove who had contacted us because he wasn't happy about the colour that his house was going to be uh, painted. His house had uh, had been retrofitted and they were painting all of the houses in the estate white and uh, our Tom and Cove was not happy about that at all. He wanted the house returned and painted. He wanted to paint it again but he wanted to paint it the same colour it was before they started the retrofitting uh, work. Now, I have to say there was a huge reaction uh, to Tom last week when he contacted us and people were not happy and thought that Tom had a sense of entitlement about it all and people were very, very annoyed that Tom was even querying the fact that he didn't like the colour of the paint that his house was going to be painted. But Tom is entitled, I suppose, to his views, the same as everybody else. Anyway, we got on to Cork County Council on behalf of Tom to say, would it be possible for Cork County Council to paint Tom's house the colour that he wanted and it was the colour that it had been originally. They've come back to us and they say. Cork County Council's housing uh, directorate carried out a retrofit programme in 2019 of the estate in question that you're speaking about. It included the installation of new heat pumps, new windows and doors, external insulation, attic insulation and the rendering of the houses in the new colour. The new colour being all the houses got painted white. Now, Cork County Council do point out that in fairness, a number of other council tenants pointed out to us as well. Tenants are free to change the colour of the paint on their houses at their own discretion. So uh, if Tom wants to go off and get the paint, I don't know if he can do the work himself or he wants to pay somebody to come in and do it or he might have a family member that's able to do it. But but they're not saying he has to keep the house uh, the colour white, but that's the colour they've painted it and it's up to him if he wants to change it. So our thanks to Cork County Council for issuing us with that uh, statement. Some reaction to... My chat with uh, Deputy Michael Collins, who is really, really annoyed about the news that the Barry Roy Row Oil uh, Company it will be winding up its uh, business and looking like they will be going for a liquidator next month. Somebody said, absolutely ridiculous for Deputy Michael Collins to in- accuse Eamon Ryan of corruption. Eamon Ryan is enacting the policies that he was democratically elected to do. Poor form of you, Patricia, not to call out Michael Collins on that point.
Another texter says a lot of talk and worry about cattle and climate change and all these rules. Question one, who is going to enforce any of these rules? Definitely not the guys that landed us in the situation. Uh, Many are from the old school and many of them are still around. Somebody else says that was nonsense spoken by Deputy Michael Collins to say that Ireland won't be able to provide meat for itself. That we have a huge surplus of beef that we currently produce and guess what we do with it? We export it. The Deputy has little grasp of international commerce. Then someone else says Mike... um, Michael Collins is spot on. We need to get Eamon Ryan and the Greens out uh, before it is too late. That is coming in from John. And Jim says, Patricia, Deputy Michael Collins really talks so much sense. Eamon Ryan is ruling and ruining this country. And definitely it's the tail wagging the dog as the Greens seem to be making all the decisions in this coalition party, like the facial recognition technology that you spoke about earlier with the Gardaí. It was the Green Party uh, who didn't want the facial recognition and that stopped. That was the delay with the the body cams. Is it not time for this government, along with the rural independents, to get the Greens uh, and Eamon Ryde and send him on his bike says uh, Jim who's not a fan of Eamon Ryan or a fan of the Green Party. Okay that's some of your thoughts uh, coming into us um, and then Billy in Clannacilty was on to say so we have 40 million euro going towards greenways in Munster. While I agree in principle with greenways, would it not be more practical if you have 40 million euro to spend on greenways, would it not be more practical, firstly, to spend that on housing, spend it on our health service, and then after all of that is done, then maybe consider investing in uh, greenways. And that's from Bill in Clonakilty to 0818 103 103. And Vicky has been onto the programme. Her daughter is teaching in Australia. She said her daughter has a great work-life balance and while Vicky would love her daughter to return to this uh, country she said they are often having in conversation having chats uh, about will and when her daughter will return home but her daughter is starting to question will she ever be able to come back to Ireland because she wonders as a young teacher would she ever be able to afford to uh, rent a home or let alone buy one actually on buying houses now I know John Paul is working on it it might be something that we, we won't get to it today but we might get to it tomorrow there's a report out I think it's from the banking um, the banking federation and they've taken a look at how much it would cost a single person to buy a house when you look at house prices and you look at the rules of mortgages and when you look at cost of living and all of that and I think the new figure that's out has gone to 67,000 euro so a single person would need to be earning 67,000 euro to even be considered for a mortgage and I'm assuming that would be quite a small mortgage and there are very few young people young single people earning 67,000 euro so it's completely ruling them out of the housing market but it's interesting that Vicky's daughter is a teacher because there's a huge demand for teachers at the moment but there is a much bigger problem trying to get teachers to work in Dublin to the point that I read in the paper today that some Dublin schools have asked grandparents of pupils living in the area would they consider 
renting a room to a teacher. And this is seen as a really desperate bid by schools to ensure that they have enough staff in September. And obviously what what it is, it's reflecting the struggles which are facing schools, particularly schools in and around the capital. They are suffering a flight of teachers to other parts of the country. Why? Because there's an accommodation shortage and even if somebody can find accommodation, it's the high cost of rent in the general Dublin area. So a growing recruitment and retention divide is now between the greater Dublin area and other parts of the country. And it's even led to teachers giving up secure jobs they have in the capital and instead taking a temporary role somewhere else uh, in a different county. And as schools are preparing the primary schools and are preparing to close up for the summer. Many principals are dealing with the prospect of returning next September with posts unfilled. In some cases, advertised vacancies in and around Dublin don't even yield a single applicant. And the crisis is hitting both the secondary schools and the primary schools. And I saw Paul Crone, he's the director of the National Association of Principals and Deputy Principals. He represents secondary schools. They say now it is getting to be a very, very worrying situation in Dublin, so much so that it led to one school writing out to families saying, do you have a grandparent living in the area? If so, do you think they would consider renting out a room so that they could offer jobs to young people? And then if a young person said, I've nowhere to live, they'd say, oh, well, look, we've, we could find a bedroom with, with Granny O'Dwyer down, down the road. She's willing to rent to you. And now... The Education Minister, Norma Foley, she's agreed to beef up the efforts to encourage teachers to return from abroad. There has already been efforts overseas to try to get our our teachers. I know it's going on with doctors and nurses uh, as well. So Vicky's daughter is one of the people that was going to be targeted in this new beefed up effort to try to encourage them to come home. The department has confirmed to the Irish Independent that it's providing additional funding to allow for the expansion of a service known as as Thurs Thurs Awalia, uh, that matches post-primary teachers interested in returning to Ireland with vacancies back home. And the online recruitment portal has proved effective since it was launched on a voluntary basis back in 2019, but it needed more resources uh, to tackle the scale of the problem here. So they're going to put more money into it and uh, because now the problem is even getting worse than when it was first set up in 2019. And some of the examples that the Association of Principals and deputy principals have given are of how some Dublin schools are are losing out. For example, they quoted a Sligo school that had 12 applications for a home economics vacancy. Uh, Six of them were interviewed and all six were deemed appointable. But a number of the applicants already had a contract, a permanent contract for a school in Dublin and they said they would be willing to give that up to move to Sligo instead. A Galway school had 40 applicants for a business studies vacancies and that seemingly is an almost unheard of level of response while at the same time schools in Dublin can't even get one application for a similar uh, position and some of that 40 that applied to the school in Galway were teachers who were living in Dublin but they want to return to the west of uh, Ireland. Now there was also some of the teachers from overseas from the UK and from the Middle East as well and then a Limerick school 
they had 40 applicants for a woodwork teaching career break replacement on less than full hours. So it was it was a, a part time job. And the shortlist there included a teacher who said, yeah, I'm prepared to give up an assistant principal role in Dublin because this uh, teacher wanted to move back to uh, Limerick. So the rest of the country certainly from a, a teaching point of view is benefiting but it is causing huge huge problems in Dublin 0818 103 103 John Paul takes your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Minibus driver is wanted for the month of July now it's to cover a July education summer camp in the Charleville area your contact is John at 087 215-4385 or you can email foleybushire at yahoo.ie Truck drivers are wanted. It's for a ready mix plant in Canturk. You must hold a full C licence. CVs please to HR at dukonconcrete.com Part-time kitchen porter is wanted for Longerville House in Mallow. CVs uh, please to info at longervillehouse.ie and a full-time general operator is wanted in Bandon for CNC machining. Now, full training will be uh, provided. Email jur at gtc at reliancepresision.ie. You'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Last week I spoke with Alma Jordan, Chief Executive of AgriKids, who was calling for the same legal requirements covering the use of quad bikes that are coming in later this year to also apply to tractors when it comes to children. Senator Jared Crockwell is due to raise the issue of children driving tractors in the Oireachtas and uh, he joins me. Good morning to Gerard. Good morning Patricia good morning to your listeners. And you're, you're welcome. Do you think and believe we need a national debate around the issue of children being legally allowed to drive tractors? I absolutely believe it. Um, I'm horrified sometimes by the age of people that I see uh, up on these tractors and tractors are not like cars they're an enormous piece of machinery with all sorts of of, of, um, equipment that can be to them uh, etc. So you know we've seen adult men and women lose limbs uh, as a result of farm accidents but more importantly we've seen young children lose their lives so I think the debate has to happen and I think we have to you know I understand that farmers are busy at this time of the year have to get uh, crops in have to get silage cut and saved and all of that sort of thing and sometimes in order to get the work done they're willing to turn a blind eye to people who are too young on these machines uh, yeah, I was out uh, travelling over the weekend and I was in a, a rural area and I could not get over. There was one particular very large tractor dry, uh, and pulling. There was a big trailer on the back of it. The young lad up on that tractor could not have been more than 14 and he was out on the main road. Now, he was obviously not travelling very far. He was obviously going from one field uh, to another uh, field. But that is happening. I mean, there are young children who and they are children and they legally shouldn't be out on the roads driving tractors 100% Patricia I mean it is an enormous risk 
to take uh, for members of the public who may find themselves unfortunately coming in contact with one of these enormous tractors that you find. But more importantly, uh, I mean, have to look at the number of young people, young children who have died as a result of farm accidents. And I know some of your listeners will be listening there this morning who lost a loved one as a result of an accident and will be trying to justify to themselves that, you know, it wasn't their fault. Well, it is irresponsibility of the highest order to put somebody up into one of those machines. It's my view nobody should be driving one of those machines under 18 years of age and then haven't taken a test to show that they have. You know, you can't drive a forklift truck, for example, without showing you have the competency to do that. So the same should apply to a tractor. Yeah, and, and at the moment, just to remind listeners, it's 16, isn't it, that people are allowed to drive? That's it, 16, yeah. Uh, and again, I'm sure these rules were brought in years ago to, um, uh, you know, support the rural industry and to make sure that people were able to get the best they could out of, uh, you know, the, the family in, in, in getting crops saved and things like that. But look, the machines are dangerous. We've lost a couple of kids already this year. It's time to have the debate, have the discussion and make... You know, you have to have a level of competency and an appropriate age before you start driving these machines. Yeah, because that that is the problem as well. They they can get the license to drive the the tractor, uh, and there's no test involved. No, no, but you can't drive a forklift truck without um, carry having the full health and safety uh, um, program delivered to you. Um, so, you know, what, 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 what's different between the two machines? Uh, the tractor, in my view, is more dangerous than the forklift truck. Forklift truck is generally operated behind closed doors in a warehouse or somewhere like that. But a tractor is operated on the main road. And as you know, Patricia, some of these tractors now are They're absolutely massive. enormous. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I think you're right. I think this was introduced in a very different era in this country, uh, but also introduced in an era where tractors were much smaller and farm machinery was much smaller than what they are today. And therein lies the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm not insulting people who are listening to your program um, today. I, I, did, I don't set out to insult anybody. I set out to bring to their attention the dangers that they're exposing their own children to. Uh, and if adults can make mistakes in tractors, uh, I mean, you know, experienced drivers every year, there's one or two accidents. Uh, what hope is there for children? Yeah, because you know there will be that view that some people will see this uh, this as an attack on rural Ireland, an attack on the farming community, and the argument will be put forward to young people have always driven vehicles for generations. It's it's always happened at the busy times, and we're in the middle of a busy time now when it comes to farming. That you know the sons and daughters help out. You're trying to stop that. Yes, I I, I will fully expect a lashback uh, on on that particular uh, line, if you want. Uh, But we have to be honest with ourselves. Uh, Are we that irresponsible that we're willing to risk the lives of those we love the most, our children, uh, in order to get uh, a tractor load of silage delivered in or some other crop uh, delivered in? It's just not right. And the fact people say, oh, they're only driving in the field. That's where they get killed. So, you know, let's be realistic about it. 
Yeah, um, a listener in North Cork says, as a listener that lost a very young relative at 15, uh, was avoiding a lorry, but was driving too quick, went straight into a a ditch and broke his neck. A friend of mine just four weeks ago had a young baby in the car, two other small children under the age of six, a tractor at high speed pulled out in front of her, her car a complete write-off. The driver of the tractor was just 14. Wow. There you go. There you go. The evidence stands up for itself. And, uh, you know, I, I, I applaud you and your program for taking on this because uh, you guys are, you know, you're, you're, you're feeding, I suppose, your local community and your local communities tend to be from the, the farming community. Some of them are sitting in their tractors this morning listening to us and will be outraged by what you're saying and what we're saying. But at the end of the day, you know, it, do what we do every night. Look at your child before you put it, put the child to bed and ask yourself, do you want to be responsible for the fact that this is the last morning you'll see that child? That's really what we've got to consider. Yeah, uh, Frank is saying, well done to Senator Jerry Crockwell for raising this uh, issue. Uh, Frank says, uh, we've had some very sad deaths of young people, but let's not forget there's also a number get very seriously injured. They live with these injuries for the rest of their lives and we never get to hear or see of them. Very true. Uh, and children, particularly uh, ones that catastrophic accidents, um, are locked away in their homes with a life-changing um, uh, uh, set of uh, injuries, if you want. Uh, so from that point of view, I, I make no apology to anybody for raising this, and I congratulate you on raising this, and I congratulate the uh, Irish Examiner on, on publishing this. I, I think it's something really important, and I think, you know, mothers listening to this programme today need to talk to their husbands, their partners, about allowing children to uh, uh, get on these tractors. Similarly, fathers who, who may be part-time farmers and, and their partners manage them. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The place while they're working somewhere else, again, 
they need to look at their child. It's a child we're talking about, not um, just another human being. It's a child, your child, we're trying to save. Okay, Katrina is saying there's always the distraction of mobile phone use nowadays and somebody else is picking up on that. I was in West Cork at the weekend and a young tractor driver was driving along and he was actually looking at his phone at the same time. He certainly wasn't uh, concentrating. And Gerard, when I mentioned last week I had um, Alma Jordan uh, on from AgriKids, she was talking about the quad bikes and from November quad bike drivers will have to complete a quad bike training course and she wants something similar for tractors. Would would you would you agree with that? I would support her one hundred percent on this. In fact, I go further. Uh, I, I I don't know what what the instance of the uh, scooter, these two wheeled scooters that people are travelling on now, uh, electric scooters. Uh, I see one particular woman in my own local area in Dublin, and she brings her two toddlers to school on the scooter every morning, travelling at about 30 kilometres per hour. So, you see, it's all fine and dandy until it goes wrong, and when it goes wrong, it goes terribly wrong. So I fully support a proper testing system. And by the way, if we're talking about tractors, Patricia, we're not talking about just the normal driving test. They must also show competency to use the machinery that is available through the tractor. So let it be cutting trailers, let it be silage uh, uh, cutting machines, whatever. Let it be a plough. You've got to have the competency to use it, otherwise you should not be using it. Okay, and you're hoping to raise this at the Oireachtas? Yes, I've already written to the chairman of the Joint Oireachtas Committee, which I sit on, and asked for a discussion on this. And I'm hoping that that will happen before we go into recess this summer. Um, But if it doesn't, it will certainly happen early in the autumn. Okay, we'll follow this with great interest, Jared. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much indeed, Patricia. Uh, good you. morning to you. That is uh, Senator Gerard uh, Crockwell. Still getting in calls about uh, tractors and tractors being driven. Somebody's saying, look, it's not only young children on tractors. I passed a tractor at the weekend on a main road. There was three adults on the tractor. Surely that can't be uh, legal. Mick is a HGV driver and he's got a suggestion. Uh, morning to you, Mick. Hi, um <laughs> Patricia, Patricia, <laughs> you're, okay. Patricia. you're okay. You, you, you. I was on. Yeah, uh, Patricia, I'm a heavy goods driver for the last 30, 35 years. Yeah, and I have the greatest respect. I do a lot of supermarket business, so I'm in areas where I meet agricultural machinery on a regular basis. Yeah, and on bad roads, now roads, I have the greatest respect for them. I see them in their fields, but the very minute they hit the main road, out, it's like they own the road. And there's one thing I would ask, if, if, if it was, could be introduced, flashing lights, hazards, beacons and all these vehicles, and we know that they're there, they're coming around with combine harvesters, taking up the whole road, which I expect them to take up the whole road, but you get this guy that just drives, and he thinks he owns the road. If it was enforced a small bit and say, lads, safety when you hit the main roads. I know they're in fields picking up bales of hay, doing whatever, the hard work that has to be done. But, you know, it's no one is enforcing it, and these young, and which they are young people, but the older group as well. I met a guy in a motorway last week travelling in a tractor, and a tractor with a load of um, silage on behind him, and I kind of goes, I can't, I, That's I just illegal. That, you, That's illegal. Yeah, it it's is illegal. Yeah, okay. and you cannot enter a motorway. It states it. On the side of the road. It does, yeah. No it tractors, does, uh, yeah. Cyclists, all, you'll see it. You'll yeah. see it. Learner drivers. Oh, yeah, learner yeah. drivers. Yeah, yeah. and uh, tractors Patricia. is on it as well. 
And and they, they have these things that when you turn the ignition, I think all these lights should come on, flashing lights, and say, respect now, lads. We can be seen on the road. But when you come around the corner, and I have a heavy goods vehicle, and I meet a combine harvester, which has to take up the whole road. And by law, if you're taking up more than the white line and the thing, you need a lead vehicle to say there's a white load coming behind you. Yeah, and they're and huge pieces of equipment. huge. Yeah. And, and you know something? And they're brilliant drivers. All these guys are all brilliant drivers and I see them and there's one thing and Patricia uh, before I let you go now because I'm back on duty early tonight (laughs) and it's just that pedestrians walking in the road at the moment I asked the Garda in Malloy a couple of years ago can you do one thing when you see people walking on the road say to them there's a high vis could you could you just could you just wear it please and yeah, you know, because something. and you can you can go out and start walking, and it's nice and bright. But then exactly. the, the darkness can set in, and that dusk can set in very quickly. Exactly, I'm, yeah. Patricia, I'm seeing you know, when two two heavy goods vehicles meet at the same time on a bin, and there's someone walking. And the first thing you know, I I have actually gave it that person one night. Would you believe it? That was walking home late from a pub, and I was on the road. I have to. And I I actually took off my high vis and I said, "Wear that." You, would you wear that? Because it will get you home at some stage. And uh, I was told in a, in, a, in a false way, I'll get my own way home. I don't need something like that. Mm. And you know something? Uh, you can get them in any hardware shop for a euro, two euros. Yeah, they're cheapest chips. They're it's cheapest cheap. And chips. you know, I made my way to Donrail Park this morning at half past seven. And it was dusky, you know, from yeah. Mallow on the back way towards the Hazel Tree Lounge. And a guy walking the road and my wife looked at me and she says, can you see him? And I said, I can. Barely, I said. But you know, and I, 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 you know, some it might be, and I, I know it probably someone will say to me later on the week, you know, something. It was a good idea if I got a car when they're passing these people, had them in the booth of the car and just say to them. Well, yeah, but the RSA give them out for free, free. so the, so the guardie would correct? have them in the guard station and yeah. maybe fill up their boots with them and and, and pass them say, out. And, yeah. and just say walking, driving along, and just say, look, I see you walking this road on a regular basis. Would you mind putting it putting on? Data? Okay, and you know. Did you know, Patricia, I, I, I'm delighted I got in. I'm not re- I really don't use the radio station, but when I heard you talking about the farming community, and I said, they're those them. Well, you've given, you've given good words of advice, and hopefully you'll keep somebody safe Thanks, today because you'll put it in somebody's head. Thanks for that. Thank safe driving, Thanks. Mick. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. That is Mick in uh, Mallow. Now, the moving to a completely different topic, the Mid-Cork village of Rylan in the parish of Ahabolic is putting out a call to tossers ahead of their fun day next Sunday the 25th of June to chat about why so many egg tossers are needed. I'm joined by uh, Colin Burke who's one of the organisers. Good morning to you Colin. Good morning Patricia, how are you doing? I'm very well. You're attempting to set a world record for egg tossing. Please tell us more because I have never heard of egg tossing before. We are. Um, yeah, on, on Sunday we have, we have a guy called Willie O'Donovan called Wild Willie O'Donovan calling down to us. Um, before I go on to the egg tossing. Can I please give a plug for our family fun day that's on? This is part of our family fun day. Yeah. Um, we've, only a, we've only a community of 600 people. Okay. And we're trying to raise two and a quarter million for a community park development in the middle of Rylan. Um, at the moment, we have developed a brand new soccer pitch. It's like a, it's like a snooker pitch, snooker table. Um, we've put up fencing. This is all done by local... Um, the local companies, community, yeah. Local local companies that we uh, we um, employ local community companies with money raised by our local community, um, and 
at the moment. Only yesterday, the day before yesterday, um, the contractors moved in to put in our new playground, which should be done in by the end of two weeks. Um, it has climbing frames and slides and monkey bars and egg cups and seesaws and anything you see in a modern-day playground. Um, oh. And it's really going to be a great addition to the local community. Brilliant. Well done. Well done. Um, well done. When local communities get together, they really can make change and make a difference. Oh, they're, they're, the Royal Island community, they're just a fantastic bunch of people. Um, and so there's, we, a big, uh, there's a big fun day next Sunday that w- everyone yeah. is, is, is invited along to. And I know there's lots of things, there's, you know, the children's sports races, there's baking competitions, hook and duck, yep. there's sheaf throwing. So there's lots going on. And in the middle of all of that, yeah. you're doing egg tossing. <laughs> in the middle of all that, we have, we have a couple of egg, egg events. It's, it's okay. exciting. Ah, um, go on. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was asked to put that fun in. All right. um, so not only do we have egg tossing, but we have an egg roulette and we have a, a community egg toss. Okay. Um, so each, everybody that's there on the day, basically, if wants to take part, um, you toss an egg to each other, and then everybody takes a step back, and then you throw the egg back again, and then you take a step back, and as people get knocked out, you're eventually left with the winning pair. Um, so we have... Okay, we so have you're throwing the egg from one person... To the other. To, to the partner. Okay. And you slowly take a step back. And so the distance gets longer and longer. So and what's, what stage, is the world record? Oh no, this that's for the that's for the community egg toss. All right, so for okay. the actual the, the actual world record, um, we have Wild Willie O'Donovan who has kindly said he will drive down from Mayo for the day <laughs> um, to give a demonstration. Um, he himself had the world record back in 2012 for 69. Oh no, it was held in 2012 by two Dutchmen from 69.5 metres. And then um, Wild Willie and a guy called Warren, Big Warren McKellen um, in 2013, um, they took it over with 71.5 metres. Sorry, 70, yeah, 71.2 metres. So they, they threw, Willie threw an egg 71.2 metres and it was caught by Warren. A raw, a raw egg. Yeah, so that so was going. Yeah, if it breaks, that's you're gone. That's yeah. That you was have to going to be one. my next question. Could it be hard boiled? But it can't. No, no, it has. It has to be raw. Um, and Willie, Willie himself is a renowned egg, a renowned bowler, road bowler. Okay. Um, and he has, as far as I know, I was talking to um one of our sponsors, um Jerry O'Regan in O'Regan's Bar, who's actually put up a prize of a hundred euros for whoever can get the biggest, the longest distance. Um, and he said he remembers Willie and his two brothers um, winning a score outside his pub in Ballyshonine in 85. So this man has been around a long time um, and hopefully he'll draw a great crowd. We're, we're, we're calling on all, yes, calling on all tossers and, <laughs> and catchers. But, <laughs> and the thing is, it's interesting that you mentioned road bowling, uh, Colin, because your area would be well known for, for yes. road bowling. So yes. obviously, if somebody is good at road bowling, they should be yep. good at egg tossing. Yes, it's all about the loft. Oh, is <laughs> um, there's a, if you go onto the our Facebook page, the Ryland Community Park, yeah. um, a couple of our locals did a, a, a little skit sketch. Um, it really is great crack. Um, and... Yeah, it's all about the it's all about the loft, um, and the velocity that you can fire at. It. Understandably so, if you want to get it seventy one point two meters, um, which there's also a trophy for. 
And there is um, there is actually a World Egg Throwing Federation a, Championship. The World, egg, the World Egg Tossing Federation. Yeah. They're over in Swatton in, in England um, and they hold the World Championships every year. So if anybody can beat... The world record now at the moment is 85.96 metres. So um, if anybody can beat that, we'll send them to Swatton. And is Willie hoping... It, Willie's going to try and break the record as well, is oh, he? Oh, he's determined. Is he's it? determined, yeah. He, I mean, that's, he, he regularly throws it further than the 71.2 metres. Yeah. But then it cracks when the catching... I mean, that's you can't go anywhere without a tosser. Um, but... <laughs> the catcher is just as important. Yeah, yeah, of um, course. There's a, there's a serious knack to it. Okay. Have you have you tried it yourself, Colm? Oh, I have. Oh, I have. Uh, Jeepers, yeah. I've been <laughs> I've been out at, I've been out all hours of the night. Are you, any, the, are you any good? The midges, the midges, there's midges like bumblebees up around our place. So they're <laughs> they're the ones that get you in it in it at night. Um, am I any good? Yeah. Am I a good? I've, I'd be a handy enough tosser. Would yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. How 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 do people uh, enter the egg tossing event? Is Just arrive on the day, on the day completely okay. free. Um, completely free. We've loads of um, parking. There's toilet facilities. There's fast food. There's ice cream. Brilliant. There's bouncy castles. There's. Um, Trade stalls. There's it's a huge um, way of us giving back to the community. Um, it really is great fun. There's there's children's um, races and games, and it really it's it's just pure crack. So it's a it's a um, fa- it's a family fun day out, and it is ab- it's, it's in the village of Rylan from tw- yep. twelve noon. You're hoping to get underway next Sunday. Yeah, anybody, yeah, right from 12 noon and we kick off from half 12. Okay. That's the plan. And we'll keep the fingers crossed that the sun will be shining and anyone in the area put out the Child of Prague statue on uh, Saturday <laughs> night so that you get the sun shining on Sunday. That's Listen, I call him, and Rylan uh, Community Park on Facebook if people want to find out more. Please, yes, yes, that's perfect, Patricia, yeah. Good luck with it, Colm. Thank you very much. And thanks a million. Bye-bye. That, I think that... Uh, bye bye I think that is the first time we've ever uh, put a call out for tossers and I think certainly it's the first time I've ever heard of egg tossing would you deem it a sport I don't know but there is a world uh, federation and there is a world championship that's held every year as well a couple of people reacting to my chat with uh, Colin Burke talking about that great family day that's planned in Rylan next uh, Sunday but the highlight of the day has got to be the egg tossing competition and they're trying to set a new uh, world uh, record and the world record the uh, famous or infamous uh, Wild Willie O'Donovan is coming down from uh, Mayo Ed says Patricia that made me laugh out loud this morning Willie the Tosser and it's Wild Willie the Tosser uh, Eddie somebody else says I think perhaps you may need a spare change of clothes with you if you're planning on tossing and your catching doesn't go well that is from uh, Jim change of clothes is a must and someone else says oh my god Patricia a world federation for egg tossing I think I've heard it all now and it is is the World Egg Throwing Federation and they hold world championships every year in a place called Swatton in England. I don't think I've come across that. I don't know where, what area of England Swatton is in, but that is where the World Egg Throwing Federation is based and that's where they hold the championships every year. So I'm glad that that brightened up a lot of people's day uh, today.
Michael says, hi, Patricia. Listening to the news there with uh, Barry reading the news for us at, at 12 and he was talking about a lack of vocations in Cork and Ross and the falling numbers. Yeah, and there's an appeal from the bishop to try to encourage young men to take up vocations. Well, Michael said, I would say to you and to any of your listeners to take a look online at Clonard Monastery in Belfast at the moment. They're running a special novena. Michael says, I think there's five or six sessions a day. Each and every one of the sessions are packed to capacity. I know this is a very special event, but I found them during COVID times and I now tune in to their evening mass, which is always well attended and always so uplifting, says Michael. And yeah, and we know we have a declining number of practising Catholics, even though I thought it was interesting in the census, people still declaring themselves as uh, Catholic, but that doesn't necessarily collate with people going to mass uh, every Sunday. But Michael, you'll notice whenever they run those novenas, they run a novena in Limerick every year as well, don't they? And it's always absolutely mobbed. I don't know what it is about the novenas, but that they certainly do attract people. And obviously they attract people who don't go to Mass every Sunday because if they were going every Sunday, the churches every Sunday uh, would be full. And that's not, that is not the case. But if people want to check that out, it is uh, Clonard Monastery in Belfast. Thank you for drawing our attention to that, uh, Michael. And then a different Michael was on about Brazilian beef. We heard me chat about Brazilian uh, beef and said, I heard you talk about Brazilian beef. Isn't it ironic that we import so much Brazilian beef? We're importing from a country that has no regulations or they don't seem to care that they are clearing thousands of acres of the rainforest in order to produce more and more of this cheaper beef that they then export to other countries. And yet our government wants to reduce the cattle numbers in this country. What a way to run a country. I certainly would prefer to eat top quality Irish beef, which is produced to such high standards and producers are subject to the strictest of standards. We need to wake up and we need to protect our food producers and our farmers, says uh, Michael. Yeah, and I suppose that's where we need to question when you're buying, where we're buying our beef and our lamb and our pork to find out the origin and find out where it's coming from and, and you know, try to make sure that we do buy Irish produced uh, beef because Donald says, Patricia, I ate Brazilian beef last year in Spain. I love my beef, says Donald. The stuff was pure boot leather. I ended up leaving it on the plate. But I'm wondering, with the fact of the figures that I found on the number, the, 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 the tonnage of Brazilian beef that's exported into this country. It has gone up. The amount we export is always huge. But 80% of what we export, we then import in from Brazilian beef. So check if you're buying, particularly let's say if you're buying in supermarkets, check the origin and see where your beef is actually coming from. A lot of people could be already eating Brazilian beef and may just not be uh, aware of it. Someone else says, Patricia, a cow drinks... 120 litres of water a day. A human, it would just be in the single digits if you're looking at how many litres of water a human drinks every day. We have too many cows in this country and we have water shortages daily, especially during this time of the year. The greens are constantly being bashed and yet we will be the first to give out if there's no water in our taps. Something has to give. Hi Patricia, to the people who were giving out about Deputy Michael Collins who joined you earlier with his views on the Barry Row oil field. This man has done more work for the people of Cork with his cataract bus to Belfast, restoring people's sight. Maybe some of the Greens would want to get these cataract- get their own cataracts done with a view to being able to see the country 
properly and that's from John in uh, Clonakilty who comes in defence of Michael Collins. Thank you for that uh, John. And then we had a number oh yeah before I get to those there was a couple of other comments before I get to the ones about tractors on the roads and young people driving some of these very large agricultural vehicles. Uh, Patricia I can't believe there are five potholes on the N22. They're there for months. They're between uh, Cool Cower and Fernand's they're about four inches deep. What damage is caused to tyres and steering uh, in that much time, says John. And I always worry about potholes at this time of year because you have, whatever about John, you obviously, you know that road well. You know exactly where the potholes are. So when you're driving, you're able to avoid them. But I always fear for you know, the summertime or the tourists, when you're on a road that you don't know, that's when you can hit a pothole and do a lot of damage. I wonder, John, have you reported them to the local council and make them aware of exactly where they are? Because we have discovered that in the past, that if enough people complain about particular potholes, um, it's he who shouts loudest. They do have a tendency to be fixed. And someone else says, Patricia, that man Mick in Mallow, who joined you on the comment line in the last hour, Mick, the truck driver, was talking about people out walking and not wearing high-vis jackets and he was urging people, please wear a high-vis jacket when you're out. And he's, as a truck driver, he's out a lot on the road, so he's seeing uh, people and then all of a sudden, you know, he'll spot somebody that's walking without a high-vis jacket. Anyway, listener says, Mick in Mallow is so correct, but walkers won't wear high-vis jackets unless we introduce some legislation whereby you would be fined if you don't wear a high-vis jacket. Maybe start with a €50 fine. Hit them in the pocket and it will work. But obviously then you're going to have to have the guardie in order to implement it. How would people, how would walkers feel about that if there was legislation passed whereby if you want to go out and walk on public roads, you have to have a high-vis jacket on you. If not, you could be fined. How do walkers feel? I'd love your views on that. 0818103103. And then on young people driving tractors that we spoke with Senator Gerard Crockwell about, John says, I cringe when I see a young person standing in the cab of a tractor with the driver. If the door happens to suddenly open, that person falls down on the path of the big wheel of the back of the tractor, instantly killed, says uh, John. So please, to anyone, don't have somebody standing in the cab of the tractor. And then someone else says, Patricia, it's absolutely wonderful to hear this topic finally being raised on your programme. I had a relation of mine who was killed at work a few years ago. And it was due to negligence of machinery. So I know at first hand how that kind of loss can affect a family. We see young people driving tractors underage in the countryside on public roads all the time. I'm not certain they realise the weight of the machinery they're carrying behind them if they suddenly need to stop. Please keep talking about this issue. Definitely a test and a theory test, like what you do before driving a car, should be a must. The farmers taking on these children to drive for them are, I feel in my opinion, being very irresponsible. But their own parents should also be putting a stop to it. They should be penalised for allowing children out on the roads driving these machinery. As anybody knows, nothing is done until a life is lost and then they have to are they have to live with lifelong injuries and then 
you know what, it's all a bit too late. Also, it's uh, I've noticed that young people drive tractors to get around until they're old enough to be able to drive a car carrying a number. They're friends in the tractor with them. That is an accident waiting to happen. Parents need to be more responsible about this situation. Please uh, keep up the great work of facilitating awareness around this issue. And well, I suppose that's all we can do is talk about it and, and hope that the message get across, gets across to people. And bearing in mind the reason that we've been really focusing on it of late, we've had two very sad fatalities uh, up the country of young people. One was 13 and one was a 17-year-old girl who died uh, while on, on tractors. It, it has to, something has to stop. And hi, Patricia, it's so true about the young tractor drivers on their phones while they're driving. A couple of other listeners were pointing that out. I've seen it on several occasions. Also, you'll have other young people sitting beside them in the tractor. I have even seen fathers with young kids on tractors. It blows my mind after all the bad accidents that have happened in this uh, country. And one final one from Mike in Bantry. Some others might remember this. Mike remembers an ad, an old ad that used to be on TV. He reckons it was back in the 80s and the ad stated, leave the keys in the ignition of a tractor unattended in a yard. It's like leaving a bull loose in a farmyard. Does anyone remember that ad? And and I can see the collation. If you leave the keys in the tractor, then it might encourage some young person to hop up on it and take off. And uh, according to the ad, it was as dangerous as leaving a bull loose in a yard. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. This evening at 7.15, Annam Cara will hold their West Cork face-to-face meeting. It'll be in Mill Court in Bandon. All bereaved parents are welcome. Now, regardless of the circumstances of, of death or the age of your child, more information on the event or other supports that are available from Annam Cara, available on their information line 85 288888 or email info at anamcara.ie Bingo is on tonight in Chambalymore 8 o'clock in the community centre jackpot €1,850 that's in 45 calls or less all are welcome and Travellers Pride event is going ahead in Charleville Public Park uh, this evening everyone is welcome to come along you can join in and celebrate the traveller culture traditions music heritage arts and uh, crafts and Skullnair for Porik in Kanturk are having their official opening ceremony and blessing. It's taking place Friday morning at 11am. Special guest will be Bishop William Crane and the Minister for Education, Norma Foley. All are very welcome. And the 68th annual gathering of the O'Mahony Society will be held this year at Cool Car House in McCroom. And it's happening across this coming weekend. If O'Mahony blood runs in your veins, why not join in? Full details of the gathering are available on the Society's web page, which is omahonysociety.com. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, it was back in May, I think, of uh, this year that the announcement was made that GameStop uh, has, they announced the closure of all of their Irish uh, stores, which obviously includes uh, stores here in uh, Cork. And I got 
this such a sweet text in this morning from the manager of a GameStop in Mallow. That's uh, Mike Weber. Um, that and it was such a sweet text. I said to John Paul, "We've got to ring uh, Mike." Good afternoon to you, Mike. Hi, how are you? Um, when when is the shop actually closing? I'm actually sitting in an empty shop right now. Uh, so, uh, we it, actually closed on Saturday. It's gone. Um, yeah, it's it's completely gone now. So I'm just waiting for the last pickup. Did um, did the news come like a bolt out of the blue, or uh, were you expecting it? It's a sort of thing that you think, oh, you know. I mean, there's been good times, there's been great times, and then there's been times when you think, oh, you know, not so good. So it was a bit of a bolt of the blue. In all fairness, I mean, I've I've been here sort of so long with GameStop for nearly twenty years. And you sort of seen things come and see things go, and uh, but no, look, it just it, it was sort of surreal. I mean, like when they turned around and said, "Look, it's all of the schools, and the head office, and the distribution, and the econ." So, you know, it's it's completely everyone. That was a bit of a shock. And like like it's not just children; adults play these video games oh, uh, as well, and they're still as popular. But there's there's a move to online. Is 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 that? It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that doesn't help. I mean, like a lot of people. I mean, I'm sort of old school. I'd like the physical media with the box on the you know the box on the shelf and that. Yeah. But yeah, the, the digital bit by bit by bit. It's a bit like DVDs, I suppose. You know, old Extravision sort of suffered that back in the day. Um, when everything moved, sort of the media online, but it doesn't suit everyone. Mm, suit no, everyone. indeed not. It's a little bit like newspapers have moved online. I still physically like to hold a newspaper in my yeah, hand again. It's exactly the same. It's yeah, a little bit like that. Is there, it, it, yeah, it. but um, unfortunately, the, the way same things are, are moving, everything is is online. So you're nearly nearly twenty years uh, in Mallow, and and you, you contact us because you want to thank the people of Mallow. They, they've been good yeah. to you. Well, I've, I've the last. I mean, like, I've been actually in this. I've been 20 years with GameStop. I was up in Limerick. I've been moved around, and I was uh, roughly 12 years here. But, I mean, I just wanted to say a thank you, really, because, I mean, people have been... Gr- I've met some lovely people over the years, lovely people. And, yeah, some of them have become friends, but, you know, you'd be out in your shopping on a, in Duns on a Friday after work, and you'd, you'd often see people and get chatting with them and, mm. and that, that come into the shop. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen sort of children as such, you know, come in now and now they're coming in with their own families and yeah. if only were anyone else sitting in the car this morning um, I sort of realised that was the case and uh, and I you always know. think that's lovely when you've watched somebody almost grow oh, up and then absolutely. suddenly they're coming into the same shop with their children absolutely yeah, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely and then I get it's been a privilege almost a bit you know it's, yeah, it really has been I didn't realise until now how much of a privilege and you're on the main street in Mallow, so unfortunately, another shop closing down on the main street. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know what the plans are for this one. I mean, it's gone back to sort of bricks and mortar. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fantastic location. Yeah. You know, it is really, really good. Um, but it yeah it remains to be seen who will go in and and what goes next. Yeah, and listen, it's not just Mallow. We've got so many of our towns uh, with shops on the main street. Oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. so bad for the other shops around when you end up, you know, next to a boarded up shop. It's just, I always feel for the, other bu- for the other business. So, um, and, and, and Mick, I can hear by your accent, you're, you're not Mallow born. No, and, uh, bred. no my how, wife's from Chamberlain. Uh, well. And how long have you been living in Ireland? 2003. So my, my lad, my, my youngest at the time was five. And we thought, look, if we're going to do it, got to do it now. We're going to the school system. And, and where, I'm glad I did. And where did, did. where did you meet your wife? I met her, blimey. She was a nurse over in um, Dartford uh, Hospital at the time. So, uh, you know, sort of bumped in and started chatting and, and 
that's that, and three boys later, and three dogs later, and all the rest of it was still going strong. And you followed her across the Irish I Sea. I didn't have any choice. Well done, well, well done. <laughs> but what, what now for Mike Weber? Uh, Webb, where are you I going next? I don't know. Next? You know what? It's it's a blank page. I mean, I, I I've been with them so long. If I'm totally honest, I don't even have a CV yet. So that's my first port of call. That's something I've got to do. Um, and then I'll get myself out there and, and go again, as they say. Uh, but it, is is retail your love? Is that where you see yourself? That's, that's pretty much what I've always done. I was um, I used to I did used to do sort of a, a bank man. I was a bank manager for a little while and a customer complaints manager with a bank over in England. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I've sort of done different things, but it always seems to bounce back to retail. I I enjoy the the, the crack and the bender and all the rest of it that goes with it. Um, so, because, you know, yeah, because it's you're constantly meeting different people. Absolutely. I don't know. You're saying that you you get your regulars come in. You know, you see your same regulars come in on a Saturday. They've got to pick something up for the weekend. They've got to play away, and they want to do that one, bring it back, play it in, and, and go again. And uh, but yeah, you'd often see the same people as as well as new faces. Yeah, so it's, it's great. It's good fun. Well, you you'll be missed. You'll be you, you certainly you. make you are uh, Mike. You'll be missed in uh, Mallow for sure. Uh, but you know, it's, there's full employment in this country, so hopefully you shouldn't have any problem with your experience behind you picking up new work. Yeah, I And if if anyone gets any hassle, as I say, that was that was part of the message I was doing this morning. Um, this morning there, really, if, if any customers that have made purchases and they've got problems sort of down the line, they just email hello at gamestop.ie. Um, and they will look after it. You'll get sorted out on, uh, online. And Lorcan, Ryan, Owen and Lewis. That's it. They're That's all main guys. Yeah, I've worked with other people over the years. Um, yeah. but they, yeah. They're the main four. They're almost like family. Well, they are, they are family, in fact. You know, they, you, you spend more time with them some weeks than you would do with my yeah, own. Yeah, so. yeah. Listen, we wish you good luck in the future. Thank and thanks a million for contacting us. No God Take bless. Care. Take care. That is uh, Mike Webb. The store manager for GameStop in Mallow now officially gone along with all of the other shops. But yeah, I think it was the sign of the times because so much of that has moved online. But I just, as I say, when I was talking to Mike, I hate to see a, a shop on the main street been forced to close and unfortunately that's not what has happened and it's uh, only one of the, it isn't the only shop on the main street in Mallow that is closed. 0818 103 103 uh, Tom in Rathgormack agrees with uh, Senator Gerard Crockwell. It's not just tractors that they are driving on, or this is on young people driving, they are driving on the roads but it's the bigger equipment like combine harvester, harvesters. Uh, Tom agrees with Gerard Crockwell that something needs to be done about it. And then John in Donnerell was on to say about trailers. Not everybody seems to know that you need an extra licence to draw a trailer. John says, I was renewing my driving licence recently and I happened to get chatting to the man in the NDLS office where I was renewing my licence who was telling me about drawing a trailer but did not have the correct licence and he was unaware. And I'm wondering how many more are like that, that they're drawing trailers and their licence actually doesn't allow them uh, to do it. So John Paul checked in with the Road Safety Authority and in order to draw a trailer... What trailers can I tow? You must have a category B and BE driving license. And if you have a category B, you can draw a, a trailer no greater than 750 kgs. And as a general rule of thumb, it says a category B license does not allow you, for example, 
to tow a horse box or a livestock trailer transporting animals because that would be over the 750kg. And then a category BE, you can tow a trailer in cases where the combined vehicle and trailer is greater than 3,500kgs. Uh, and uh, the note on that is a car with a towing capacity of 2,000 kgs can draw a trailer with the weight of 3,500 uh, combined, but it mustn't exceed the towing capacity of the uh, vehicle. OK, I'm getting all complicated and die down on that. But OK, all right. I think the basic message from John in Donoreb to young people that are out with the tractor and the trailer are they allowed by law? They're allowed by law if they're 16 to drive the tractor, but are they allowed to draw a trailer as well? Because John says you need uh, you need a special license or you've got to check with your license as to what type of trailer you can pull. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.com you're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Following my chat with uh, Mike and the GameStop closing in uh, Mallow, Mary says, Patricia, will you please say a huge, huge thank you to Mike from GameStop. I have dealt with the staff over the years and they were the most helpful bunch of people they will be missed and that's from Mary thank you for that uh, Mary uh, texting 0862103103 now TG Cahar are putting together a new season of their dance show and Adair Productions are on the hunt for the next big thing in the world of Irish dancing to find out more and how you might enter I'm joined by Chloe O'Neill of Adair Productions good morning to you Chloe Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome. Now the show is called On Real Deal. Can you tell us what is the format of the show? Oh yeah, of course. So basically the format for the show is that obviously we we are taking 48 um, acts to um, to dance in the show and then obviously then once um, once each act obviously perform on stage then they get narrowed down to, to whether who goes through to the final or not and then obviously then they compete for the prize which is a cash prize. And has Riverdance and sort of similar shows, has that kind of almost made Irish dancing sexy and cool and extremely popular again? I think it has. And um, we're like, we are really excited for Irish dancing to, to really make a comeback because they've kind of, although the shows have been going on for, you know, they continue to go on in the world and everything like that. Um, but it's great to, to bring it back in a televised uh, way again, because um, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there an age restriction on people to enter? No, so that's the beauty of the show. So there's actually no restrictions um, for this show. We're taking young and old and everything in between. There's no age restrictions this time. And we're also taking um, we're taking in all styles of traditional dance uh, as well. Like we're taking step dancing, channels dancing, set dancing um, and even a fusion of, dan- of traditional yeah, Irish dance yeah. with different genres of dancing as well. Yeah, because if you look on TikTok, there's a lot of um, people have become Irish dancing stars. They've put like a modern twist on traditional Irish dancing. 
Yes, exactly. And kind of what our show is going to do a little bit as well. Um, do a lot of the Irish dancing will be, or do the traditional Irish dancing will be to contemporary music. Um, as well, I know some people are, are very much like I just want to dance to traditional music. Yeah. But we're going to take we're going to uh, we're going to take both because we obviously want to show the modern twists as well. And we just want to celebrate all things. Like we just want to celebrate the world of Irish dance yeah. and the beauty of of that dance. Do you know? Yeah, and groups as well as solo dancers. Yeah, so we're taking solo dancers, duos and groups from three people to ten people. And when you say there's no age restrictions, are we talking about children as well or is it adults only? No, so children are allowed to apply as well. So we're taking children and teenagers and young adults and adults and even um, uh, and we're taking older people as well up as far as 60s, 70s, 80s. As well, long as they can well, dance, we'll take them. You, I think you were going to be swamped because I, I do think Irish dancing has just become so, so popular uh, again. And do are you able to say who the judges are or is that a well-kept secret? So, well, it's actually more that they're still deliberating. I think they're making their deliberations okay. as to who the judges still are. However, Shiva Neverick is going to be presenting the show. OK, and filming takes place when? So filming takes place um, from the 11th to the 14th of July. So basically, uh, each act only has to be available for either the 11th or the 12th or the 13th of July. Okay. And if you were to progress into the final, then we'd need them for the 14th as well. OK, so please, before you enter, make sure that you are available. And where does the filming take place? So filming will take place um, at RT Studios in Donnybrook. OK, in, in, in Dublin. And then when can we expect the programme to be on TG Carr? So the programme will be on TG Cacher in, in autumn. So it'll be kind of around like the, you know, August to October mark. And um, and then closing dates, obviously, for um, for applicants then is around the 28th, 29th of July. So I know it's a quick turnaround, but um, we would appreciate if everyone gets their videos in before then. OK, because that was going to be my next question. I'm assuming it's it's a video of somebody dancing is what you're looking for. Um, exactly, yes. Yeah. So in terms of applying, I mean, you can apply on the Adair Submit page, um, but the fastest and the easiest way and most direct way to, to enter is to send a, a, about a minute to two minute video clip um, of of, the, of your act um, dancing to your routine to um, to our WhatsApp number, which is 083 that's 083-132-2683. OK, and we'll keep all of that on a file. Listen, we wish you the best of luck uh, with it and good luck to all of the Cork dancers. So hopefully you'll get a good reaction uh, on uh, this. And Chloe, you might come back and let us know exactly when it's going to go on air so that we can give a mention to it. Oh, of course. Yeah, don't worry. We'll be on to you anyway to let you know when it's there. So Great stuff. Everybody, and we're really looking forward to, to our, cork, our Cork dancers submitting. OK, listen, thanks for that, Chloe. Good luck with it. Best luck. Thank thanks you so much. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is Chloe O'Neill of Adair Productions uh, and they're working with uh, TG Cahar for uh, On Real Deal. If you've got an Irish dancer in the house, uh, get them uh, get them entering enters because as I say, there is a cash prize uh, for that and also a chance to become a television star. 0818 103 103. A lot of texts uh, coming in. Back to the game uh, stop uh, that went I spoke with Mike, the lovely manager there. Now the game stop as is officially closed. Uh, Neve in Mallow says, Patricia, I have three boys. I've been shopping at GameStop in Mallow for almost 15 years. Mike and his staff have been so, so helpful. They will be missed. Can I wish them all of the very best for the future? And that's from Neve in Mallow. Thank you for that, Neve. On Brazilian beef. Hi, uh, this, no name of this. Hi, Patricia. I worked in a meat processor 
all I would say is a popular firm here in Cork. Lamb was coming from New Zealand. Beef was coming from Brazil and pork was coming from Denmark. That's a fact. And by the way, that wasn't just recently. That was years ago. Just because the label and it says packaged in Ireland, it does not mean it is Irish. And that was the point I was making earlier, looking at the amount of Brazilian beef. It hit a new record last year. I'm assuming most people eating beef, uh, you are eating Brazilian beef, unless you're going to um, a butcher that you know can actually farm to gate, can actually tell you uh, where it's actually uh, coming from. Someone else says it's a known fact that Brazilian beef are pumped up with a lot of hormones. Um, they they treat cattle very different. They don't have the same rest- rules and regulations. Yeah, that's what somebody was saying earlier that we have here in um, uh, Ireland. Yet what they do in Brazil, my my uncle who was a farmer would not be allowed to do here. I watched a programme one night and I can't understand how this Brazilian beef is even being allowed to be sold uh, here. 0818103103 and then on out walking at night and this was Mick the truck driver saying to people will you please 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 wear a high vis vest. Somebody says I um was oh no sorry yes yeah, I was talking to you about a truck driver who is parking an Arctic truck in Pound Hill in Mill Street. Can I tell you that truck is still there last night? Something needs to be done about it. Can you get onto the Gardaí uh, because it is an accident waiting to happen? Hi Patricia, I wear a high vis slash luminous T-shirt when I'm out walking or running, even in hot weather. They are the solutions. Yeah, you don't have to wear a high vis vest. You can actually get t-shirts and jackets that have all the high-vis on it uh, as well. Uh, Thank you for that. Hi Patricia, I'm a tractor driver uh, with over 35 years experience and you can have 50 flashing beacons and cars still won't slow down. By the way, says this tractor driver, I find most women over the age of 50 can't reverse a car. How do I know? I've had to come off the tractor on a number of occasions and reverse the car for them. Maybe we should start with car driver behaviour before people start giving out about tractor drivers. In fairness, I think what we've been focusing on today is not somebody with your 35 year experience. What we've been talking about is the younger drivers and particularly the underage drivers. I think they're in the main what people have been talking about. And yes, there will be. There are certainly drivers on the road who, if you were to ask them to sit a driving test again, possibly wouldn't pass. That is uh, for sure. And Helen said, Patricia, with reference to the rules about pulling a trailer that you were talking about, they're referring to pulling a trailer with a car or Jeep, not a tractor. OK, Helen is somebody in the know. Thank you for that. It was just it was pointed out to John Paul and he got onto the Road Safety Authority. So that's there's different rules and regulations for pulling a trailer with a tractor than it is for a uh, car. And Donald, when we were talking about egg tossing, said a lot of the comp- competitors in the egg throwing competition use hard boiled eggs. Therefore, they're hard to beat. Boom, boom, says Tony. And a bandier listener wants to know, could you find out for me, please, Patricia, where I can buy new potatoes? I'm living in the Bantier area. Does anybody know where there's new potatoes on sale? Ideally, 
in and around the Bantir uh, area. If uh, anybody knows, uh, please let us know. On driving. Hi, Patricia. What about all the big SUVs, mostly driven by women under the age of 50? The yummy mummies who can't reverse either. They're nearly worse than the big machinery. They're causing huge pollution as well. There's no need for them, says uh, this texter who I don't know if it's male or female, but I assume from the tone is probably a male uh, listener texting 086 to 103 103. And before I go, just want to bring to you a piece that I discovered this morning. If you are somebody who likes to take a daytime nap, and some people are embarrassed to say they like to have a little bit of a snooze in the afternoon. Some people think, oh my God, I must be getting old if I want to take a snooze in the afternoon. It seems taking a nap during the day can actually help keep you mentally sharp because it reduces brain shrinkage. From the age of 35, the brain starts to shrink by 0.2 to 0.5% every year. And then obviously if you get over 60, it starts to shrink even more. And obviously when the brain starts to shrink, that's what then leads to and contributes to senior moments. You know, when you get a memory lapse or there's a cognitive impairment or if worse, you, you end up getting dementia. But there's a new study out that suggests that people who habitually nap during the day They have a larger brain volume. It means that their brain may actually shrink less over time. The people that take a daily nap can have a brain 2.6 up to 6.5 years younger on average than somebody the same age of them that doesn't have a regular snooze. Researchers uh, looked at people's lifelong genetic predisposition to taking a regular nap. Now, they also sort of looked at people who took naps because they were unwell and whatever, but they wanted to look at people who just took naps for no other reason than they liked to have a little bit of a snooze. And it clearly showed that this napping actually affected the size of the brain. And the senior author of the study, which was conducted at University College in London, said the findings suggested that for some people, now it's short daytime naps, may be a part of the puzzle that could help preserve the health of the brain as we all get older. They're hoping studies such as this showing the health benefits of having short naps can actually actually help to reduce any stigma. See me, there's a stigma that exists around people saying, oh, I take a daytime nap. A lot of people, and that's what I was saying at the outset, I wonder, is it an ageist thing? People think, oh, if I admit that I must be napping, somebody would think, oh, I must be getting old, so I won't say anything. The researchers' worked, uh, work is published in the journal Sleep health and they looked at people aged between 40 and 69. Now more a quor- more than a quarter of the people 65 uh, to 69 said that they were taking a, um, a nap whereas in the younger the 16 to 64 year olds 14% of adults admitted taking a, a nap. Sleep is known to be hugely important for protecting the brain from the effects of ageing and the new uh, study did not find people who regularly napped did better in visual memory uh, tests but they were mentally faster. However they had a larger brain volume uh, which was down to the nap and the nap can be anything between five minutes and up to somebody napping for three hours anything from five to fifteen minutes and can last up to three hours if I had a three hour nap I'd never get up that's where I leave you thanks to John Paul uh, Nick Richards with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow Cork after my nap on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.